Just because Facebook's on an app and in your pocket doesn't mean you're going to do the best things with it for your campaign. I'm Eric Wilson, managing partner of Startup Caucus, an investment fund and incubator for Republican campaign technology. Welcome to the Business of Politics show. On this podcast, we bring you into conversation with the entrepreneurs who build best-in-class political businesses, the funders who provide the capital, and the operatives who put it all together to win campaigns. Our guest today is Ryan Gravatt, founder and CEO of Raconteur Media Company. He's been involved in numerous campaigns like both Rick Perry and Mitt Romney's presidential campaigns. But most recently, he launched the Digital Hero Academy, which is an online learning platform for political candidates and operatives to build new digital campaign skills. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the secrets behind digital campaigning and how you teach that to people, and then some lessons learned over a very long career building successful political businesses. Ryan, when I first read about the Digital Hero Academy on campaigns and elections, you called it the masterclass of digital political marketing. What's the strategy behind giving away all of your secrets? Well, you know, I think it's like, you know, somebody who invented the typewriter. Could they possibly type all the pages that needed to be typed? No. And uh, all the tools are in the hands of campaigns. What we want to do is give structure and education to the campaigns who are going to decide to do digital marketing and the digital tools themselves, best in class education on how to do it. It hasn't stopped campaigns from hiring us in our retainer services, but it has broadened our reach into campaigns that have staff and they have those people doing two or three things. And one of those things is digital marketing. If the strategies behind digital campaigning aren't really trade secrets, what's holding most candidates back from having effective online campaigns? Having the skills and the education. Just because Facebook's on an app and in your pocket doesn't mean you're going to do the best things with it for your campaign. As I'm fond of saying, the candidates that communicate the best are typically the ones that win the best. And at Raconteur, we're communications first, and then we love to put it into an engagement mechanism so that we can push and pull an audience into engagement with the campaign. Now that campaigns can do that themselves, or they have been doing it themselves for quite a while, we think it's the the education and the how to do it that they can learn from what we've learned and put it in their hands. And it's been great for our ability to reach campaigns we might not otherwise. And it's also been fine with campaigns that have us on retainer because they want us to do this kind of work for them. But the ones that want to do it themselves, they really need you know, a lesson on how to do it, and what they should be doing. So are you seeing, Ryan, the increased demand for the do-it-yourselfers and, and people who aren't going for the traditional consultancies or, or turnkey solutions? Is that growing? And that's what you're seeing and responding to? Yes. We don't have a lot of clients hire us and observe us for six months and say, oh, we've got this. It's more the candidates who are smart, but don't have the funds to afford an agency that are trying to do it themselves and start and stop. And then we get a lot of phone calls that are, hey, I'm just kind of curious if I could learn something from you. Can you give me 10 minutes of your time, 15 minutes of your time? And I love how to decentralize knowledge and put it into a system where people can leverage it. And that's essentially what this is. My thesis is campaigns are going to do this anyway. I'd like to be the resource that they think is going to teach them to do it better. 
I think that's something I'm seeing too, where traditionally candidates were very much into the, look, I'm going to hire a consultant, turn the key and, and they go off and do it. But where the candidates that we're seeing step up now, especially in, in sort of the digitally native candidates, want to have a much more hands-on approach. And so they are looking for the guidance and, and there's tons of resources out there, like if you're starting a small business or things like that, but we don't have the same level of resources available for political candidates because it's it's been kind of a trade secret mentality. Yeah, I completely agree. Some of it is based on candidates just want to hand it over to an agency or to an expert and let them do what they do. And my experience in the last few cycles has been there's younger candidates, there's more capable candidates, and they have much more capable staff as well. Um, You could say people are just more comfortable with social media and more comfortable with email delivery and managing their lists and they're just more comfortable with the interfaces that platforms are putting in front of candidates so that they can do this themselves. Or if they're just, if the candidate and their staff are just oriented to, well, we do this in our business, we could do this with our campaign. Um, there's nothing stopping them. There's no friction there. There's no consultant saying, you know, jumping on the keyboard and saying, no, don't press send until, you know, we have six sign offs from all these different people. What we're trying to do is, you know, teach processes and best practices. Uh, because people on campaigns are just going to gravitate to the tools because there's an urgency to communicate because the tools are right in front of you. They're on your phone. They're on an interface in a browser. They're all right there. And so campaigns that are smart and may not be launching with a consultant are going to try to do this on their own anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point because the tools to run for elected office are themselves really democratized, right? So, you know, previously, not that long ago, it was really difficult to have a website and be able to generate all of the content you needed on social media and do the press outreach. And, and now it's, it's sort of within reach for, for just about everyone. And, you know, some of our companies in Startup Caucus portfolio are also helping bring advanced techniques to campaigns of all sizes. But Ryan, I want to dig into something you mentioned talking about agencies that, you know, as we see that digital campaigning becomes more essential for campaigns of all sizes, the business model of traditional digital agencies hasn't really kept up in terms of being able to scale down to the smaller races. Why do you think that is? I think it has to do with an agency having a playbook and a candidate or a campaign has to fit into that size. And then the budget has to fit within a certain set of parameters. And when you start to niche down on the type of clients that an agency might want to have, it weeds out a lot of smaller campaigns. We've got an approach of high volume and low margin. And you know we might have a gubernatorial race, but it's still low margin. It's just a higher volume. And we don't mind aggregating a large number of small campaigns and to service them because we're pretty practiced at keeping our services within a certain set of parameters so that the small campaigns don't eat us alive. But what we find is the small campaigns also have two to three people on staff who are doing two to three jobs each. And that's where, that's again, where our Digital Hero Academy product came in place. Like, well, if we could just train some of these campaigns to do some of these things on their own, why don't we do the things that are high risk and high reward for the campaigns that our experience will bring to bear and let's let the campaigns do the digital communicating that they're best equipped to do. So for example, that would be, you're going to execute on the advertising campaigns, but they're responsible for the day-to-day social media posting. Is that kind of how it breaks down? That's exactly right. 
So, Ryan, you've been at this a while, including kind of the advent of social media and politics and back when we still called it e-campaigns. Why do you think the political industry is traditionally so slow to adopt new tactics and ways of doing things? I will use two analogies or prayer phase two sayings. One, I think it was a department store magnate that said, 50% of my advertising is working. I just don't know which 50%. And campaigns have that kind of mentality of let's go through the checklist, the proven checklist. Let's do all these tactics and let's execute on all of them. And then 100% of us claim success for that. And when you look to your next cycle, you look back at your past cycle and you say, well, what worked last cycle? Let's do it again next cycle. And so I think that slows the evolution of weaning away some of the things and some of the self-reflection of what didn't work. You're consistently bringing your experience up and saying, I've done this. I did it two years ago. I'll do it for you right now. When it comes to digital marketing, we have a lot of opportunities to reevaluate what we're doing with with respect to analytics, but also with respect to what platforms will let us do and won't let us do. So I think there's a greater evolution on that side. But at the end of the day, it's really about voter contact and how many times can you get the right message in front of the right voter at the right time. And there's just only so many ways you can do that in a way that's proven and accountable. So the advertising budgets or the promotional budgets for a typical campaign that can afford it will include a lot of TV. That's just the way to win there. The smaller campaigns will have to start raising more money for more digital outreach because they want to have the emphasis or the impact that a TV campaign can have, but on a much smaller audience. And we're all just caught in these uh, boxes or these parameters of the small campaigns can't raise the money to do things differently. So Let's do what worked two years ago and hope that it works this year, or let's do what worked four years ago, depending on the election cycle length for a a candidate. Uh, Because you have small dollars and you're essentially raising money to bankrupt a campaign in order to declare victory. And what I mean by that is you raise a bunch of money, you get to the zenith, and then you spend it all and you get to zero and you win. You don't want to lose having had a surplus. So there's not a lot of room for experimentation and risk. Your analysis is what worked what will work and what's working right now. And you get caught in a you know tunnel vision of knowing what you can do, knowing what you can execute on and how to deliver and explain on the analytics of, of, uh, of your success so that the candidate feels, okay, let's do more of that. You're listening to the Business of Politics show. I'm speaking with Ryan Gravatt. Ryan, one of the biggest barriers to entry for most first-time political entrepreneurs that we work with at Startup Caucus is building their professional network in the industry because it is such a networked relationship-focused business. And so what tips or strategies can you share for making strong relationships in politics? Uh, So I tell people who want to get in politics to do something better or well than most anybody else. Um, That can be formulas and spreadsheets, or that can be proofreading. If you can do something well than most peers your age trying to get into politics, you'll get noticed and you'll be that one valuable person in their network. Um, When we used to call this e-campaigning and online strategies, I was the one-eyed man of the value of the blind that knew how to take a direct mail piece and turn it into a website. Or I thought you were going to say you knew how to fix the printer because that's that's <laughs> sort of how I got my start. <laughs> a lot of stories like that. And, um, you know, today it's a much bigger 
industry than it used to be. And so I tell people to go through an elected office, know what the candidate's going to do when they're elected so that you can help on the campaign side, form the message and contribute to the campaign so that ultimately the elected official will be good at their job and uh, will be reelected. So start and start, try to start in the, uh, in the official side and work your way back to the campaign side. You'll also have a lot more options if you start out on the official side. If you find campaigning distasteful or not for you, or you're not caught up in the idea of working for a consultant or an agency, you'll have a lot more options. That's really good advice. And, and I always similarly advise people to try everything out, figure out what piece of, of this industry do you like? Because, you know, politics seems like a, you know, a big place and it is, but there are different specialities throughout. And so it, it really is uh, a matter of trying and figuring out what you like and what you're good at. And so you've also been on both sides of the the software customer table in the political industry. And so what do political operatives need to understand about being good customers and users of technology? Well, I think they need to know what the limitations are of what the platforms can do for them. Having the right expectations for a platform is really key to getting out of it what is going to be best for you. So just like having a spreadsheet of voters doesn't mean you're going to win an election. You have to know which voters you need to talk to. Having a CRM improves having a spreadsheet, but you still have to know how you're going to communicate with these people, what they want to hear, and how many times you have to communicate it. I'm just focusing on communications and voter contact because that's my world. But for a campaign to understand the limitations of a platform, I think is really critical. Just because you can put a video into YouTube similarly doesn't mean you're going to reach all your voters. Now, it no longer means you'll be targeting any voters at least through a Google platform. But you have to understand the limitations and also the strengths of the platform so you can really leverage those things. Yeah. And I find that it really comes down to pattern recognition for campaigners. And they like to say, is this like that thing? And and so sometimes, to your point, they need to, to dig in and figure out what are the limitations, what are the opportunities of software. And then also, I think another pattern that I see frequently is that it's, it's difficult to change, to your point, the playbook that people have been running. And so integrating a new tool in that can also be a source of, of friction for yes. campaigners. Yes, absolutely. I think that if it's new, great, that sounds exciting. But if it's new, it better create efficiencies, you know, and it better create some scale and it better be something that right away pays for itself. If it's something that requires, you know, group learning and a lot of group coordination and workshops, I'm pretty sure when it comes to the last month of the election, it won't be the main thing they rely on. It'll be something that maybe they used in the interim to generate reports. So I want to turn now to some of the ventures that you have been involved in, like any entrepreneur has that that haven't turned out as we would have hoped. And so help our listeners understand your thought process about when it's time to let a project or venture go. Yeah, sure. So some of the ventures that products that I started were due to pattern recognition. What's the problem that I'm solving here over and over? What are the tools that I'm using? And are these best in class or can I make my own? And that's typically where the filter that I go through and I still go through and I'm still making my own tools. And I have to decide, am I going to be a software service company or am I going to be an agency? 
And I hit that wall every time I decide to shut something down. I'm going to be an agency. It's great that I built a tool, that I solved a problem. I can look on a P&L sheet and say, okay, at least I didn't lose money on this. But to keep something up and running, you know, you have to have different missions within an agency. You almost have to have different divisions. So I was creating tools that my employees could use or that I could turn over to a client to use and train them to use um, so that it would create efficiencies. But when you do that, there's a life cycle. You know, you have to keep up with software updates. You have to keep up with platform updates. You have to keep up with all the programming. You have to innovate because the platform you created two years ago and the interface is it's not drag and drop like the other interfaces are that people are used to using. And maybe it's got other uh, hangups. You've got too many things on a screen. So you have to go through UI, UX development again so that you can make your tools simpler. And I just had to decide at certain points, am I an agency or am I a software developer and platform? And uh, at my heart, I'm an agency. I love consulting. I love solving big problems. I love being part of a communications team. I love driving audiences into an engagement path uh, with a company or a campaign. And the, the software and tools that I develop along the way are part of it. Right now, the software and tools that we're developing are client-driven. They're the ones that the clients are coming to us and say, we have to have this. So when they have a use case, that's way more intriguing to me than me looking back and saying, what if we could do this? Let's build something like that and then have that for two years and say, okay, that ran its course. We're going to shut it down. Got it. And so sometimes it comes down to to putting your your own pride aside and looking at the cold, hard numbers and saying, hey, this isn't trending in the direction we want it to do. This is a conversation that I have with clients around online advertising, right? When you start to see those cost per acquisitions creep up, the time to cut bait is then not whenever your average is over the point of acceptability. You do have to keep an eye on it. So Ryan, what's a challenge or opportunity in the political industry that you'd like to see another entrepreneur take on with a company or product? One of them is super boring, but I think it's like the QuickBooks for campaigns that ties into ethics reporting. I know there's 50 states and I know there's a bunch of municipalities that all have different reporting and ethics requirements, but something where you have a back office software system that every campaign can use that they can license month to month and just tie into their different revenue streams and their different expense streams, I think would help campaigns stay organized and keep their eye and their focus on the mission that they have, which is, you know, they want to talk to people and they want to communicate. Um, but, you know, QuickBooks for Business has found a way to go to solopreneurs, to the gig economy, to really big companies. I think there's something out there to be built for political campaigns that can solve the problem that a lot of them have with finances. Yeah, it sounds like one of those classic, uh, if, it, if it's a spreadsheet that someone has and you can turn it into an app, it's going to be a great business um, ideas. But uh, to your point, th- those are not always the most exciting, flashy stuff, but those are the businesses that every campaign would have to use if successful. Well, I want to thank Ryan for joining us today on this episode of the Business of Politics show. You can learn more about the Digital Hero Academy at bethedigitalhero.com. Go check it out. They've got lots of great resources there. And Ryan and his team will have a discovery call with you. Link to that website is in the show notes. And I want to encourage you, if today's conversation made you just a little bit smarter, gave you something to think about, please share it with a friend and make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.